It's time for our Trees Are Key podcast, brought to you by Texas A&M Forest Service. I'm Paul Johnson, coordinator of our Urban and Community Forestry Program. Welcome to episode 307. Last week, we explored why questions are key, and this week, we're going to discuss why branch attachment is key. Recent snow and ice storms have reinforced the importance of branch attachment for the longevity of our trees and maximizing their return on our investment. Unfortunately, not enough people understand until it's too late and half their tree is gone. Maybe we should say at least half their tree, because this kind of damage usually means we need to remove the rest of the tree too. In this case, it's a 100% loss just because of a few pruning cuts that weren't made earlier in the tree's life. There's a large live oak, more than 30 inches in diameter in a local park, that was in great shape health-wise, but wasn't apparently in good shape structure-wise. Now the tree has a nearly two foot by three foot wound on the trunk of the tree that exposes the tree's heartwood to the center. This tree would qualify for FEMA removal cost assistance in a federally declared disaster, all because there was included bark that weakened the structural integrity of the tree, and the recent winter storms caused ice to overload the branch and it failed and peeled down the trunk of the tree. This tree may remain standing for a time, but its lifespan is going to be shorter because of the structure of the tree combined with winter weather. This could have been avoided if the tree had been pruned earlier in life. So sad. Let's look specifically at branch attachment. The point where you see the branch entering the trunk of the tree or another branch is actually a commingling of tissue from the branch and the part it's attached to. For convenience, let's refer to the larger part as the trunk, but the concept is the same when two branches are attached. This interconnected tissue is in part why we don't make flesh cuts. A flesh cut was when you looked at the plane of the trunk above the branch and below the branch and made a straight cut along that line, flush with the trunk of the tree. The problem was that the trunk tissue actually flares out around the branch and a flesh cut wounds the trunk tissue. Cutting outside the branch bark ridge and the branch collar makes for a smaller wound and increases the likelihood that the wound will seal more quickly. We used to really stress the importance of the angle of branch attachment. I have this whole exercise where I have the audience hold out their left hand in front of them and have them lower their pinky and ring finger. This leaves the thumb, index, and middle fingers extended. The angle between your index finger and thumb is usually between 45 and 90 degrees. A wide branch angle like this is considered a stronger angle. The angle between your index finger and middle finger is less than 45 degrees. This acute or narrow angle is considered weaker particularly if there is embedded bark between the two branches or the branch and trunk. Having the audience physically represent the stronger and weaker branch angles helps them remember. If you're pruning a tree and are choosing between two branches, choose to cut the branch with the weaker branch angle. When buying trees to plant, buy trees with better branch angles because they may have better genetic structure. There are exceptions to this rule. If that narrow angle is U-shaped rather than V-shaped, 
the branch angle may be stronger because there is living tissue holding the branch from the top and the bottom. An angle with included bark only has living tissue holding the branch up from below. Now we come to the fun part. While this concept is generally true, we now know from several biomechanics research projects that branch aspect ratio may be even more important than branch angle for predicting failure. From a post on the ISA website titled Structural Pruning Part 1 by Ed Gilman, Brian Kemp, Nelda Matheny, and Jim Clark, quote, the size of a branch relative to the trunk or parent branch, known as the branch aspect ratio, is extremely important because of its effect on how the branch and trunk are held together. Branch aspect ratio is determined by calculating the ratio of the diameter of the branch to the diameter of the trunk. For example, where a 3-inch branch is growing from a 6-inch trunk, the aspect ratio is 1 to 2, 3 divided by 6, or 50%. Branches with a small aspect ratio, e.g. 30%, are more strongly secured to the trunk than those with a large ratio, e.g. 70%, because the trunk and branch wood overlap with each annual growth increment, or ring. When trees are young and adolescent, branch aspect ratio is a prime indicator of where future growth will occur, that is, on branches with the largest ratio. When branches are much smaller in diameter than the trunk, e.g. 30%, a natural protective region called a branch protection zone develops within the branch base that extends inside the trunk. This unique zone of cells resists the passage of decay organisms into the trunk when the branch dies or is removed. The branch protection zone does not develop on branches with a large aspect ratio, e.g. 70%, end quote. You can see some great example pictures on the University of Florida's Landscape Plants website by searching for branch aspect ratio. Here's a quick TLDR. You want the attachment part, trunk or branch, to be at least twice the diameter of the attached branch. The good news is that it can be easier to change branch aspect ratio than it is genetic branch angles. This isn't a quick fix, but by understanding tree biology, you know that trees feed themselves and that we can manage how much energy a branch has by how many leaves are allowed to grow. By pruning a branch and making it shorter, you modify the number of leaves that branch can hold. In many cases, reducing the length of a branch for two or three years will stunt the growth of the branch compared to the trunk of the tree. The trunk grows faster, and the aspect ratio improves. This can help improve the strength of the branch attachment, but it also can be used to manage the size of the wound when a branch is removed. Let's quickly look at a codominant stem. This is a trunk that breaks into two or more trunks. There's no branch bark ridge or branch collar. Both pieces act like trunk tissue, not branch tissue. Codominant stems have both narrow branch attachments, often with included bark, and poor aspect ratio. These are often among the first failures during a storm. If you buy a new 3-inch caliper tree that is a codominant, you have a few choices. One, do nothing. This is the default and why we see losses during many storms. Two, 
totally remove one of the codominant stems, this is the other more likely management decision. The problem is that you leave a wound that is as large as the stem you've left. This is very stressful for the tree, and without a branch collar and ridge, the tree is usually slower to seal cover the wound. Three, reduce one of the codominant stems to slow growth, possibly repeat in year two and maybe even year three, eventually remove the codominant stem completely, leaving a smaller ratio wound with less stress on the tree. I would suggest that option three is best for the tree, but it does take more time and effort. Option two is likely better than option one of do nothing, but could harm the tree. Option four is probably the best, but we haven't even talked about it. That's not buy an inferior tree. Buy a tree that hasn't been produced as a co-dominant stem. Unfortunately, that's not always a choice. Branch attachments are key for our trees. Have good pictures of trees that have failed because of poor branch attachment? Share them with me, at Treevangelist on Twitter. I have a bit of news. I'm leaving TFS to join SFI, the Sustainable Forestry Initiative, to start their urban forestry program. It has been my pleasure and honor to work with TFS for the past 16 years, and this podcast has been one of my best experiences. We've had people all over the world listen, and as of this recording, there have been more than 237,000 listens of our 306, soon-to-be 307 episodes. The day after this goes live is my final day with the agency, but I'm happy to announce that they've agreed to let me finish Season 6. There will be five more episodes, and TFS is planning on maintaining all 312 episodes as a resource. They will still be available on tfsweb.tamu.edu and through your podcast app. I'm sure I'll say it again several times, but thank you. This started as just a wild idea a decade ago, and you've made it a success that has grown beyond our expectations. I may be leaving the Forest Service, but I'm not leaving the industry or the state of Texas. Look for me and ask me about the future of trees, forests, arboriculture, and urban forestry. Thank you. It's time for our Tree of the Week Species Spotlight. This week's tree comes from our Trees of Texas website, texastreeid.tamu.edu. Black hickory, Caria texana, is also known as Texas hickory. This deciduous Texas native is a medium to large tree, usually 60 to 75 feet tall, with a dark trunk two feet in diameter and short gnarled branches that give the tree a narrow oval crown of dark green foliage. This is the westernmost native range for any hickory except for pecan. It extends from East Texas south and west to the hill country in San Antonio, growing on well-drained hillsides and sandy uplands with post and blackjack oaks. Texas hickory leaves are alternate, once compound, 8 to 12 inches long, with 5 to usually 7 leaflets. Leaflets are 3 to 5 inches long and 2 inches wide, dark green and lustrous above, pale yellow-green beneath. Undersides of leaves in the petiole have red-brown hairs when young, becoming smooth with age. Male and female flowers are born separately on the same tree. The male catkins in groups of three, two to three inches long, the female flowers in short clusters at the tips of the branches. Their fruit is a round nut, one and one quarter to two inches long, ovoid or slightly narrowed to a short stalk at the base, 
enclosed in a thin husk one-tenth to two-tenths inch thick that splits to the middle or nearly to the base. The hard shell is slightly four-angled and holds the sweet-seeded nut. Texas hickory bark is dark gray to black with tight, irregular, blocky ridges and deep furrows on older trunks. Their wood is used chiefly for fuel wood, especially for cooking fires. Similar species include mockernut hickory, Caria alba, which has seven to nine leaflets and a woolly leaf rachis and leaf undersides, and shagbark hickory, Caria ovata, which has gray peeling bark. Be sure to visit our Texas Tree Selector website to find trees which are appropriate for your planting location at texastreeplanting.tamu.edu. Upcoming tree events. Unfortunately, most in-person events are still on hold at this point. We at Texas A&M Forest Service are still on the job. We're doing our best to keep it business as usual. Let us know what we can do to help. Need CEUs? Keep your eyes open for the various webinars from the likes of Tree Fund to keep current and be ready when it's time to renew your credentials. We'll let you know when in-person events come back online. Pun intended. Quick update. You can now find Trees Are Key on Spotify. Nothing in life is static, whether it's weather, species composition, or who's leading a program, the only constant is change. Join us next week as we explore why succession is key. Thanks for listening. Our agency website is tfsweb.tamu.edu. You can reach me on Twitter and Instagram at treevangelist and on facebook.com slash treesarekey. Please take a moment and share us with your family and friends and rate and review us on iTunes. It'll help others find us. Until next week on Trees Are Key.